I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. I'd like to talk about worship and praise. I like worship because I don't like leaving the same way I came. Worshiping is what we're supposed to do whenever we come to church. I'm not supposed to be talking, which I know a lot of you guys do. We're not supposed to be sitting down. You guys are. Well, you're supposed to be seated. I I praise because, well, I like to praise, and I want to praise because there's a lot of things I like to praise, like my pastor, my church, my food, my clothes, house, and my bed. That's about it. You do it. Okay. Oh. Psalms. Wait, let me find my verse. Psalms 34, 1 through 3. Psalm 34, 1 through 3. Psalms 34, 1 through 3, just in case you didn't get it the first time. Amen. All right. It says... I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Don't stand under there, I guess. Okay. Now, last Sunday, I was asked by Brother Sebastian to come up on the platform and give a testimony of why I believe that this is true, of why I believe that the apostolic Pentecostal lifestyle is the truth. And I thought to myself, how am I going to do this? I, I, I've never, never testified before. I've never come on the platform and said anything. So the next day, I went home. And I typed the reasons why I felt that this is the truth. The first thing that came to my mind was love. And I realized that the love that I feel from my parents and my grandparents and my pastor are not comparable to the love God has for me. For the feeling that I get when I'm in deep prayer with God and he comes over me and I feel, I feel his warmth and his tenderness. And it's, his love is not like anything I've ever felt before. Now, the second thing I've decided to recognize was the amazing gifts that he has to give, that he has g given us all. When you see the amazing landscape and the, the beautiful mountains that are placed on this world, and you realize that he put every star in the sky for us, that he created this world for us to, to have, is amazing. The next thing that came to my mind was his generosity. The fact that he died on the cross for us to live is a clear sign of his never-ending grace. 
and the way that he forgives us time and time again for sins that he paid the price for fills me with forgiveness and gives me the will to press on another day. The final thing that I want to recognize was, is, is all of the miracles that he performs. Just recently, I have had a very, very painful sinus headache that went on for days. And I finally got to church, and, and I, I asked to be prayed for, and within minutes, it was gone. The pain, the pain was all of a sudden taken away. Now, I know that there have been people who haven't been able to walk for their entire lives, and they walk into the church and ask Jesus to be healed, and they're able to run the aisles. They're able to jump up and down in the name of Jesus Christ. And I know that my miracle was small in comparison, but, but it was an amazing experience for me because I've never been in that position before. I've never needed healing from God. And to know that through prayer, my pain was taken away instantly, to me, that was amazing. The Lord has put me through many trials, and myself, I wasn't sure how I was going to get through them, but God in the end helped me through all of them, and I know that I will go through more, but the feeling of security and the feeling of love will always be there, and that is why I believe that this is true. Praise the, Lord. Praise the Lord. God's always good, all the time, no matter where you're at. It's just wondrous, wonderful to be here tonight. I want to thank uh, Pastor and my youth pastor for the opportunity up here. And let's start. When um, you look at society today, you look... And people express their love through gifts, through giving, through helping people, and stuff like that. I know why I love God, but I was asked uh, to preach, or semi-preach, about um, why God loves you, or why God loves me. And I was thinking about it, and I, I, I compared it to a father relationship. Uh, as a father loves his children, that is so good. Our father, our heavenly father, your heavenly father, loves us much more than that. He's always there to pick up his children, which is every single one of us, every single one of you. He's always there to help us, to give us strength to pick us up. He created us so that we could have a relationship with Him. When the, In the beginning, lost my train of thought, sorry. In the beginning, He, um, he created the stars and the animals and the land and everything. But what he really wanted was someone to love. Someone 
that he could have that personal relationship with. And that is why he created us. We have a soul. We have the choice to choose whether we want to choose, if if you want to live for God or if I want to live for God. I know I want to live for God. But that is why he created it. He created you as his best creation of all. He wanted to have a love relationship, a personal relationship with every single one of you. He couldn't have that with animals because they have no soul. And that is why he created us. He wants to know you better. In Matthew 25 and 12, it says, But ye answered, but he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. If we go, if when the, when the trumpet sounds and God calls us to heaven, and you get up there and God says, I don't know you, then we won't be able. Then you won't be able to go to heaven. He he wants to have that personal relationship with every single one of you. That is how we get into heaven: to spend time with God in prayer, reading the Bible, fasting, witnessing. There is no personal relationship. There is no heaven. He loves you enough, every single one of you, He loves you enough to take your sins and to let you in heaven. He loves you enough to heal your pain whenever you're sick, whenever you have cancer. He's the healer. Jesus, Hallelujah, Jesus. He loves you enough to take your sins, to forgive you. Yes, we fell multiple times. I fell multiple times. But still, I know that i got a Heavenly Father that forgives me. And I know He forgives every single one of you as well. He's there to help our finances. Whenever we're struggling with our finances, whenever you're struggling with your finances, God's there. He's there to bear your cross. He knows the pain you're going through. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows what you're fighting with. But He's still there. Our God, your God, is a jealous God. In Deuteronomy 4.24, it says, For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. He is jealous for us. He wants to spend time with us each and every single day. He wants to know us on a personal level. He wants to know every single one of you on a personal level. His love for us His love for you is the greatest love you could ever experience, no doubt. As I'm starting to close, God loves every single one of you. He loves me. He loves you. He is there to help us through the struggling times. He knows what we are going through, and He is there to help. He is our Father. We are His children. Come on, I think they did a great job. You better praise or Corbin's going to get you. Come on, hallelujah, Jesus. Are you anybody glad for the love of God in your life tonight? Don't you remember when it, was, when it wasn't there and 
just he felt so empty, but then God came in and all of a sudden the love relationship began and you felt good about yourself. You felt good about your life. And for the first time, you, you looked out and you thought, you know what, there's hope. There's hope. Anybody thank God for hope? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. If you'll turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy 7, 9. Now, I know you guys didn't think this was going to be a comedy show tonight, but I did sing for you, okay? And Brother Rick Robertson thinks I did a great job, don't you? Thank you so much. I appreciate him. He's my number one fan. He's, when I have to cry, I go to him, and he pats me on the back and punches me in the nose. Yeah, not you, your son. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. That one, yeah. Yeah. All right, Deuteronomy 7, chapter 9. Is it up here behind us? Let's read this. It says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God. The, everybody say this, the, let, let, let's say it again, the, he's not just your God, he's the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Is anybody glad tonight that God will keep His covenant with you as long as you love Him and keep His commandments? To a thousand generations. It doesn't matter how far down the line it goes. God is a faithful God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, a lot of people serve gods, but they don't serve a faithful God. You may be seated. You can stand if you want to. I don't mind. But I love the fact that the one thing I know for sure throughout the story of the entire Bible is that God is faithful. Abraham faced many obstacles in his life. And when God called him out of his homeland to a place where he knew not, he had to trust God. It was a scary time for him, but God was faithful. He didn't leave him by himself. He didn't say, you know what, you're on your own, Abraham. Just go out and do what I tell you, and I'm just going to let you just wander around. But God was faithful. He gave away what he thought was the best land to his nephew. He thought of the two lands, Lot, you take your pick, and the one that Lot picked looked to be the best. But you know what? God was faithful. And He made a land for Abraham that was overflowing with milk and honey. A land that is still fought over today to a thousand generations. God is faithful. God that He would be the father of a nation. But He did not even have a son. The promises of God sometimes in our life may look like they're impossible But can I tell you tonight that God is faithful. And it doesn't matter where you are or what's going on. God will be faithful to you. You realize that Abraham waited for 25 years before Sarah became pregnant. 25 years. But guess what? God was faithful. God has always been and always will be faithful. And it doesn't matter 
It does not matter how long you have to wait for His promise to come. It will come. I promise you that. It will come. Does anybody have anything in their life tonight? They know that God has promised them. You know God has something in your life. And you may not have seen it yet. But God is faithful. He's going to give you that promise. Because He's faithful to a thousand generations. You have to realize that Abraham in his day was one of a kind. He was the only one that was like him. He was the beginning of a nation. So in his day, he wasn't very popular. But over generations, Abraham became the most valued man to the Jewish nation. Even to this day, his name is higher than Jesus in Israel. To this day, Abraham is valued. Because when God makes a promise in your life, whether you're around to see that promise happen or not, he's faithful to keep that promise. And Abraham had passed away long before a nation was born. Long before uh, Isaac had Jacob, and Jacob then begat 12 different sons. And those 12 sons, out of those tribes, became a nation. Does anybody understand what I'm saying tonight? That you might... It is so easy to get bitter. It is so easy to look at the things that are going on in your life and think, I can't serve God right now. Not like this. Not through this trial, not through this issue. But can I tell you that Abraham was, was counted the father of the faithful because he never gave up. Regardless of my death, regardless if I don't see it in my generation, God's faithful to do what He said He's going to do. We question God because we do not see the fruit of our prayers. But may I say tonight that God is faithful. I'm going to keep saying that tonight, too. I just, there's one point I want to drive home. When you leave here, I want you to know one thing. That God is... Thank you. No matter what the prayer is, if it's in the will of God, God will be faithful to those who love Him and keep His commandments. Think of David. David was just a teenager when he had to face two of the largest obstacles in his life. Two of the things that defined who he was in his character for later years more than likely tests in his life to see whether or not he could be king. He did not know. He was in the last tribe, in the last house of Jesse. He, he was the least of, um, of people to, to be king. He, he didn't have any... He didn't think, oh, I'll be king one day. But two of the greatest obstacles, obstacles came as a teenager. How are you going to deal with this situation? And I'll tell you, he was tending the sheep alone... Uh, tending the sheep out in the field all alone. And it's kind of funny that he's all alone because it's just like that for the enemy to come in and, and attack you when you feel all alone. You feel like nobody cares. And you, and, and you just don't understand why everything is going the way it's going. And, and the enemy sneaks in and he begins to, to torment your mind. And he begins to play tricks on you. And he begins to say, you know what, this is just, this is just a joke. These, these people are a joke. This whole thing's a joke. You're doing this and you look like a joke. People at work, they laugh at you. They think you're a joke. Anybody ever felt that, that in your mind? I, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I'm going to tell you what, this is the truth. This will always be the truth. It's never, it's never going to go away. The Bible says heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will never, ever pass away. It's not going to go anywhere. But he was out there all alone and... And, he, and in that field, all of a sudden, a lion came out 
and it was going to take one of the sheep. He needed lunch, and, and David, he, he did not have the strength to defeat a lion. Could you imagine if a 15-year-old boy, is there a 15-year-old boy? Anybody 15? 14? 16? Hayden, stand up. Come up, come up right here, please, just, just for a minute. He's good looking tonight. Look at that nice suit he's got on a Wednesday night. Okay, 15-year-old boy, okay, 15-year-old boy is out in the middle of a field alone. No help, no brothers, nobody there. And all of a sudden, out of the forest comes a lion. And a lion, he knows what's going to happen. And alone, this little 15-year-old scrawny boy... I don't think the first thing that went through his mind is, I bet I can rip that thing apart. I think he may have had to go change his pants. It's very possible. I'm not saying it's true, it's just possible. But I do know one thing that that 15-year-old boy knew. Growing up, he had heard of stories of a God who could do miracles. And he knew that he was in the nation of a one true God, the Lord of Israel. The one God that could do anything, that had defeated everybody and had brought, had brought them out of the land of Egypt, Egypt and done many, many miracles. And so, and he knew this, and he was standing there face to face with this lion. And if I were a betting man, and you were a betting man or woman, I bet you would have put all your money on that lion. Right now, I would put that money on the lion. Because it is impossible for a boy to kill a lion without any form of a weapon. Now, if he had a gun, I might put the odds on the kid. But he didn't have nothing. But I will tell you this. I have to remind you that God is faithful. When David needed the strength to defend the sheep, God gave it to him. David wasn't strong but God was. David didn't know how to fight a lion, but God did. I imagine he probably said something similar to the lion just as he did to the bear or to the giant. I come to you in the name of, of God, the God of Israel. And can I tell you, there's power in that name tonight. And because he didn't come in his own name, because he didn't come in his own strength, but he came in the power of the Lord David whipped that lion to shreds. He utterly took that lion and ripped him apart under the power and the anointing of God. And could I ask you tonight, just stop fighting on your own for a little while and begin to trust God because He is faithful. It might not look like it at this moment, but He's faithful. A year from now, He's faithful. In five years from now, He's faithful. In ten years from now, He's faithful. He never changes. He's going to be faithful today, tomorrow, and forever. I will tell you that someone in this place needs to resign to the fact that he can do a better job of authoring your life than you can. I'll tell you what, a bear came out later to eat a, she uh, to eat, um, a sheep, and, and bears are typically stronger than lions. They're bigger than lions. I'd probably put, I'd put my money on the bear versus the lion. Um, 
And David still, you know, he, he wasn't strong, but God was. And, and this was a different storm in his life. It was a different obstacle. It wasn't quite the same. You know, we deal with storms and we do, deal with issues in our life. And at first we think, you know, we'll go through something and we'll think, man, that was just so heavy. It was so hard. I, I, I just, man, I just don't know how I'm going to get through that. But then you get through it and you thought, oh, well, you know, it wasn't as bad as what I, what I pumped it up to be. But then another storm comes and you think, man, this storm is just, I can't even imagine. Look at this storm compared to what I just went through. This, is, th- this storm is huge. That was nothing. But when you were going through that last storm, you thought it was everything. Because that's how we judge the storm. We don't really think about judging it by God's timing and God's faithfulness. We judge it by the moment. And right now, I feel like it's huge. I feel like I can't bear it. I feel like it's too much. But God is faithful. And so this is another storm in the life of David. And, you know, I bet it was a test from God. He probably, young people, you... you you think about some of the situations going on in your life, and I guarantee you God is watching how you deal with those because He wants to know, can I trust you? Can I use you? Who, who, can, I, who can, I, can I pick out and, and, and make them my servant? Who, who can be called by me? Because He wants to know every time that a problem comes, are you going to melt down and break down and, and, and go on a, you know, a horrible depression and, and just life's coming to an end? Or are you going to say, you know what, God got me through something last time. This may be a little different, but I think God can get me through it again. I, I'm going to trust God through this one too. Because I know last one is hard, but this one, it, it may seem a little harder, but I'm just going to trust God. And at the end of it, I'm going to look back and say, you know what, it wasn't so bad when I trusted God. So he's fighting a bear this time. It's a different obstacle. And David, he knew what to do this time though. And, and, and if, you, if you've been through things in your life before, then you'll know what to do when a storm comes your way. Um, David knew that he should call on the name of the Lord. And, and God, again, empowered him to defeat the bear. Someone needs to stop fighting these things on your own and start calling on the name of the Lord. Because prayer is your weapon. Prayer is your defense. Prayer is the vehicle in which you fight the enemy. God gave us prayer because He's faithful. He knew we needed somebody to talk to. He knew we needed somebody to vent to. We need, when, when everything was going wrong, we just didn't know exactly how it was going to turn out. God said, you know what? I'm going to give them prayer. Because in prayer, I can touch them. I can, I can make them feel different. And isn't it nice when, when God comes down and all of a sudden you feel a little bit different than what you did before? That's why when you miss a Wednesday night and a Sunday morning and you're just coming to church once a week, it's very difficult to live for God because you're not in His presence. The Bible says in His presence is the fullness of joy. And that's why it's hard to be happy. I'm telling you, uh, just, just a little while, my grandfather had passed away and, and my family had been so sick we couldn't get over it. And I had missed a Wednesday and then a Sunday and then I missed a Wednesday. And I thought, dear Lord, how do people live without the presence of God? And I'm not saying I didn't pray at home. I did. There was all those things. But there is something about an anointed house of God that I can come here and I know that you believe what I believe and that we can just join together and lift up God's name. Anybody with me? Can we just stand up real quick and do that? Can we lift his name up? Come on, I still got 15 minutes.
Hallelujah. Tell you, when no one else would fight the giant, when no one else thought winning was a possibility, David had been through some things in his life that had prepared him to fight a giant. He had been through some storms that were pretty rough that some of us would think, oh, how could he have ever endured those things? But I tell you what, he was prepared, and that's what God does in our lives. He takes us through journeys. He takes us through downtimes. He takes us through valleys in order to prepare us to fight the big obstacles. Because if we hadn't went through the smaller things, Brother Krause, there's no way we could fight the giant. Because the giant was bigger than the bear. The giant was bigger than the lion. And if they were matched up, I would have put my money on the giants any day of the week. I guarantee you, Goliath could have took out that lion and bear without a problem. He stood nine foot tall. He had muscles over every part of his body. He didn't know what the word fat was or cheeseburger. He didn't understand those concepts because he worked out 13 hours a day and slept for another, you know, one hour and got back up and worked 13 hours more. He, he was powerful. He was mean. There was no He was covered. And I'll tell you what, if David had not been through what he had been through, he would not be able to fight the big one. I will tell you this. This is a prelude to another message I'll preach in the future. But there will be a moment in your life where it is your most critical hour. It is the most critical hour in your entire life. And you think that some of the things that you have been through are critical now. But I promise you, you ask some of these saints, some of these men and women who have been in church their whole lives, or they've been in for 30 and 40 years, I guarantee you there will be a point, and I don't think it's when you're a teenager. It's probably not in your 20s, maybe not even in your 30s, but there is going to be a point where it is so critical, and you have better handled the situations in your life beforehand to face that giant. David knew that God was faithful, and he knew that he would not fail him. David understood the concept of trust. And regardless of the situation, no matter what it looked like, it didn't matter who was afraid. It didn't matter what people said. It didn't matter that the very king of Israel was scared about these issues. David trusted God enough because he had been through things and he knew God was faithful. And I'll tell you tonight, it doesn't matter what storm. It doesn't matter what storm, trial, temptation problem issue arises in your life god is faithful to those who love him and keep his commandments don't step out of his love i beg you not to step out of the love of god don't step out of the commandments of god that he has set in place for a reason there is a reason he wants you to be the way that you are there's a reason he wants you to have modesty in your life there's a reason he wants you to have sexual purity in your life there's a reason why he wants these things. Because he knows the moment you step out of his love, the moment you step out of his commandments, and you're not doing what, you, what you're supposed to be doing, at that moment, his faithfulness is not with you. But he's faithful to those who will love him and keep his commandments. That doesn't mean every time you sin, he's not faithful to forgive you. He is doesn't mean that every time that something goes wrong, he's not faithful to handle the situation. He is. It's saying when you reject his faithfulness, when you reject his love, you say, I can do this on my own. I, I don't need him. I don't need this church. Because I'll tell you, that'll get you, more, that'll get you in more trouble than you ever need. 
Don't leave the church. And I'll tell you what, don't change the doctrine. Don't quit praying for the miracles that we continue to see happen. Church, don't ever get weary of praying for the miracles that happen. Sunday night is no, it's no coincidence that it happened. Sunday night, miracles happened because there were people in this church all over saying, God, we need to see miracles in McCormick's Creek. God, we need to see miracles in McCormick's Creek. God, I don't want to go through another service, just, just music and just preaching, but I want to see you move. There are people that want the movement of God in their life. They want the presence of God. And I'll be honest with you, what I felt was activation Sunday night. I felt like God literally came back and flipped a switch on Sunday night. That's how I felt. I tell you, David understood the concept of trust. Because it didn't matter the situation. No matter what it looked like. It didn't matter who was afraid. It didn't matter that, that, that everybody, you know, just went, went their own way and thought, you know, there's no one that can defeat this. He knew God was faithful. The children of Israel... You think about them, so many times they decided to turn away from God. And God had no other choice but to chastise them. He knew that in order for His faithfulness to continue to work in their life, He had to bring them back into right relationship with Him. His faithfulness stretched as far back as Adam and Eve. The first two humans to live on planet earth, they were made in innocence, formed after God Himself. And at some point in time, sin entered their life. And that temptation, that trial that they had faced at the moment was a critical moment. They had to live with the knowledge that they were never again allowed to be with God the same way. I'm not sure I can handle that. We don't live in a dispensation where God says, no longer can you be with me the same way. Now he's like, you know what? I'm going to take you back. I'm going to clean you. I'm going to put my blood on you and just come back to the garden. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10:13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to. To bear it. There's nothing you'll ever have to deal with that God will not make a way of escape for you. Nothing. His faithfulness stretched as far back. I said that already. Why did I do that? <laughs> See, even I mess up. All right. You guys are all right. You think about this. God, in His faithfulness, made a plan that went through thousands of years and at the right time in the right location made a way for humanity to be back in a garden relationship in an intimate relationship with him he didn't do it right away but over thousands of years generations adam i bet adam thought you know what there's never going to be a time where i'm going to be able to be with jesus like this again but but thousands of years later because god was faithful there was that promise. God could not find anyone over the course of a thousand of thousands of years to do the job. So in his infinite faithfulness, he decided to form himself 
in a man and overcome what, he, what we could not. He was formed in the image of a man, yet was the image of God. He grew up as a child, yet remained the God of the universe. He went through every temptation a teenager has ever faced, over, but overcame every obstacle we have ever had. Because we could not, His faithfulness made a way to overcome the sin of the world. He grew into a man, to a man and remained deity, 100% God, 100% man. He began to do miracles that challenged the very foundation of Israel's society. That shocked the religious leaders of that day. And he outperformed every man of God before him all combined together. He didn't just raise one person from the dead. He didn't just heal one person, but he healed them all. The Bible says that every need was met. Every need. That everyone that needed healing when he left that ceiling had... That, that city had healing. He healed them all. And his, faithful, and his faithfulness won on the day that he was beat with a whip, spit on by soldiers, mocked and ridiculed as the king of the Jews, punished and, and punished by nails being driven into his hands and feet, crucif- and crucified by hanging on a tree at the most cruel time in all humanity, God's faithfulness won. If you could stand with me. If you could just have a prayerful attitude as we bring this to a conclusion. Can I tell you tonight that in His ultimate act of faithfulness, Jesus died for us to be back in right relationship with Him. He made a way where no one else could make a way. And every Israeli man, woman, and child had longed and waited for the coming of the Messiah, the one to restore order in His faithfulness. And in His faithfulness, He gave us His Spirit to live inside of us so that we can now commune with Him, seek Him, love Him, be with Him. No longer to live just by a set of laws written by a man, but to live by the Word of God Himself and to serve the Master Himself. God's most faithful act was to fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And in that act, He gave you direct access to Him. So I proclaim to you tonight that it doesn't matter how far you go, how bad it gets, what situations you face, If the whole world is sitting on your shoulders, if the worst atrocity you can imagine happens, God is faithful. He will always be faithful to those who love Him and keep His commandments. So I ask tonight, is there anyone who wants to just love Him for a little while? Anyone that that wants to let Him know that you will not give up on Him? That you're not going to go through things and just give up on this whole thing, but that you're going to be faithful to Him. Is there anybody who will let Him know that they're not going to lose faith in Him? It doesn't matter how long it takes to get through the situation, that you'll know that God is faithful. Is there anybody here tonight that wants to count on what God's will is? 
Do you realize that there's going to be one more final faithful act of Jesus? There's going to be a day when His faithful Word, all of a sudden, He splits the skies. And a church that who has been waiting for Him, the Bible actually says when He splits the skies, He will look down and says, Who? Or may I find faith on the earth? Is there any faith here? So in the same way that God wants you or is faithful to you, He is longing for somebody tonight to be faithful to Him. Somebody to get a hold and says, I'm just going to keep serving. Doesn't matter how hard it gets, I'm going to keep serving God. Doesn't matter if I feel you or not, I'm going to keep serving God because there will be a day when heaven comes. And when heaven comes, I want to be counted among the faithful. Can we lift our hands? If anybody feels like you want to be faithful, I, I, I welcome you to come to this altar tonight and just raise your hands and just say, God, I, I, I want this. Young people, do you want Jesus to be faithful in your life? Can anybody just begin to love him for a little while? Can we begin to love him all over this place? Jesus. Jesus. That's it. That's it. Come on, let's just find a place of prayer for a little while. Let's recommit ourselves to being faithful to God. Si otoya tera